Sooner. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Victory Monday edition of the Lockdown Sooners Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams, and you can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Sooners and on Facebook, Lockdown Sooners Podcast. And coming up on today's show, we're going to recap the Oklahoma Sooners 40 to 35 win over the two-lane green wave. We're going to talk about the offense, what went well, what didn't go well, the defense, what went well, what didn't go well. A lot of performances that definitely have to be discussed. It's going to take several days to dissect this, but we'll get into it on today's show. But first, I got to talk to you about the ultimate season preview for the NFL over here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow the ultimate season preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get Odyssey expert Ross Tucker and Jason Lankanfora giving you breakdowns of every team in every division on the ultimate season preview August 30th to through September 8th. So make sure you check that out and let's get into this game. It was a tale of two halves, right? And really several different quarters. I mean, the Oklahoma Sooners really only won one quarter. If you look at the box score coming out of the gate, Spencer Rattler first attempt, you know, they tried to set up a screen pass to Eric Gray gets dropped for a loss. Good read by Tulane's defense. They saw it. They read it well, made a great play to stop Eric Gray for a six-yard loss to start the game. Second pass attempt of the, of the season for Spencer Rattler. Kind of lofts a ball into double coverage. You know, he's got Marvin Mims, who's kind of beating his guy deep, but Spencer Rattler just kind of underthrows the ball a little bit. And the two-lane defender is able to come up, undercut the, the throw, and make the play, get the interception. And, man, that was such a disappointing start to the season. I mean, for as much hype and for as much expectations are following this team to start the season like that, it really was like a punch to the gut. It was just like, oh, not again. And I think, you know, he made a decent read, but he needed to put the ball out further for Marvin Mims. Yeah, they had a safety coming up and helping underneath as well. So, you know, there was double coverage there, but he had to get the ball out there, let Marvin Mims run under it but he just kind of lofted it and floated it a little bit and, and really put Marvin Mims in a 50, 50 catch situation, which, I mean, he's a great receiver, love Marvin Mims, but that's not his game. His game is not going up and winning 50, 50 balls. He can do it sometimes, but you want to let this guy get out and routes, get it, you know, throw it into open space so that he can go make a play. He's much better. Like he can beat guys deep, but he's much better like in space, you know, running, running routes, that's his game. He's a route runner. So when Spencer Rattler threw that ball, you're just like, oh, man. And, you know, we'll talk about the other throws that he made that were just left a little bit to be desired. But uh, that was not the great, a great way to start the game. You know, Tulane gets the ball. They drive right down the field, score, take a 7 nothing lead. Oklahoma, to their credit, they respond with a methodical drive, play after play, end up with a third and eight inside the the 10 yard line, Brian Darby comes up with a big catch and run to get the first down Spencer Rattler after, you know, a one yard gain or yeah, one yard gain by Eric Gray. And then Spencer Rattler punches it in from the one yard line 
to tie the game 7-7. Tulane then, they take the ball and they march right down the field on this defense. And, you know, they use play action. They use misdirection. It was a really, really good game plan for Tulane because they caught Oklahoma over pursuing. They used the speed D against them and, and found them just not in the right places. And they made big plays on that drive. I mean, there were several times where they found, you know, Tulane pass catchers down the field open during the game, but on this drive in particular, and it was a fantastic performance from Michael Pratt to drive down the field, give Tulane another lead in the first quarter to go up 14, seven. But then the Sooners got a big play and this is what they want to live on, right? Is they want big plays in the passing game. Spencer Rattler finds Marvin Mims deep down the middle of the field. Marvin Mims makes the initial tackler miss, takes it, what seemingly looked like a touchdown, steps out at the one-yard line. Caleb Williams comes in, gets his first snap at the collegiate level, sneaks it in from one yard out, and we got a tie football game after one quarter. And you're like, okay, this is a football game. This is, you know, Tulane's playing pretty well. They've, they've done a good job. They've, they've moved the football. They've played decent defense. Like what Oklahoma's gotten – They've had to work for, you know, even that, that big play to Marvin Mims, like Spencer Rattler had to take his time, be patient, let that develop. The offensive line was pretty good in pass protection. And then Marvin Mims had to make a play after the catch to get it down the field. But in the, on the first touchdown drive, yeah, it was, it was Oklahoma. They had to, you know, they had to drive down the field. They had to make plays, convert third downs. Uh, but in the second quarter, that's when Oklahoma really took over, right? 23 nothing performance. It was a dominant defensive performance. They got three forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. They sacked Michael Pratt two times. Tulane didn't score a point. Spencer Rattler had a couple touchdowns, or he had he had a touchdown pass uh, to Marvin or to Mario Williams. And uh, Kennedy Brooks had his first touchdown since opting out in the 2020 season. And it looked like they had salted the game away, right? Uh, Gabe Burkich hit three field goals. The game was put away. Oklahoma went up 37 to 14 at halftime. And he thought, I know I thought it. And I'm sure, you know, many Oklahoma Sooners fans thought it as well, that it's done. Ball game, church. We can, we can load up our plates, enjoy our barbecue, have an extra burger. We can nap through the second half. Apparently the Oklahoma Sooners thought that as well. And Lincoln Riley admitted as much in his post-game press conference that the mentality wasn't right. And that was his responsibility to make sure that the mentality was right. He took responsibility for that. And at the same time, you think this is something that's happening again and again and again. And it's disconcerting that this team consistently gives up second half leads and plays their way into games that are closer than they should have been. And that's what happened in this game. Tulane made a lot of plays. They were fantastic. But Oklahoma left a lot of plays on the field. They played not great football in the second half. Their defense was not sound in the second half. And ultimately, yeah, they made the play that they needed to make at the end of the game where you know they tripped up Michael Pratt on that fourth and 13 scramble where he's trying to pick up the first down. But they picked it. They barely made the play. Like it was a, a DB that was getting blocked just reaching his arm out there and, and tripping up the quarterback. But yeah, man. It, and, you know, in the, in the run game, they did what they had to do at the end of the game to, to salt, you know, to, to milk the clock away, pick up those two first downs and finish it off. But 
it was it was a very disappointing effort in the second half. And I know many fans are going to be upset and frustrated by this effort. And, and rightfully so, because it's something that consistently happens. And, and we'll have to talk about why Lincoln Riley teams tend to give away big leads after the second half. Uh, but coming up next, let's talk about the offense's performance in detail. We'll talk through the offensive line, what the wide receivers did, how the running backs look, and Spencer Rattler in particular. And then in the third segment, we'll talk about the defense. But first, let me talk to you about Stat Hero. Stat Hero is a DFS game that is all about you versus Stat Hero. With Stat Hero, it's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head to head fantasy matchup. Name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. Nobody else does that. You are in control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it is meant to be, one on one. I mean, we play fantasy football one on one, right? You see your opponent's lineup and you set your lineup. And it's best man wins, right? And that's how Stat Hero's daily fantasy sports is different, and that's how it's better. So make sure you go to Stat Hero and play now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, sign up for free. And right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on, stathero.com slash locked on. And now, here on the Locked On Series podcast, let's talk through the offense's performance in this game again. There was a lot of good. There was a lot of inconsistency. But let's start with the offensive line at first. In pass protection, they were great. Spencer, Spencer Rattler wasn't sacked. He had all the time in the world. I mean, he, it was a fantastic performance on their end. I mean, he was pressured a little bit, but not much. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, according to Pro Football Focus, Spencer Rattler was only under pressure eight times on 43 drawbacks. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty good. Uh, on the other side of the football, and we'll talk about that with the defense coming up, Michael Pratt was under pressure a, a lot more. And so the offensive line's pass protection was really, really good. He had all kinds of times to throw. And he took his time, and he, he could just sit back there, have a lunch, make breakfast. He could have 11 Zs if he wanted to. According to Pro Football Focus, he had – you know, he averaged 2.67 seconds on his time to throw. That's really good. You know, you want your quarterback to be able to sit back there, have enough time. Now, at times, Spencer Rattler takes a little bit too much time, but that's not on the offensive line. The offensive line is doing their job in pass protection, and they did really, really well. In the run game, however, things weren't as clean. You know, Eric Gray had a really difficult time getting going. Kennedy Brooks was much better. But overall, it just it seemed like they had a difficult time getting any movement up front. And, you know, Kennedy Brooks was having to make guys miss and, you know, force missed tackles. He had four missed tackles forced. Eric Gray had seven missed tackles forced. Uh, and, you know, even though Eric Gray only averaged three point yards per carry, a 3.1 yards per carry, having to miss that or force that many tackles to be missed he's getting hit in the backfield a lot. He's getting hit at the line of scrimmage a lot. And I think that's just a reflection of the inability of the offensive line to move Tulane's defensive front and credit to Tulane. They, they, they got in the backfield. They were penetrating. They were getting into the backfield quite a bit, especially in the run game. 
And then you look at, you know, the wide receivers. I felt like they had a solid game. Uh, Marvin Mims obviously was fantastic. Five catches for 117 yards, made a huge play in the first quarter to help set up that second touchdown for the Sooners. And he was just solid throughout the game, right? Like he was what Marvin Mims is expected to be. And he's going to be great this season. The issue, I think, and, and I think the, the secondary receivers were solid, but I think there were times where you know, they left a few plays on the field. One of the issues I think I have is, is with their attempts to throw some fade routes. Uh, you know, down near the goal line, there was one late in the game where you know, Spencer Rattler tried to throw a fade route to Jaden Hazelwood, and um, he just locked up with the defender and really didn't try to set the route up at all. He just you know, ran into the defender. They latched onto each other, and that was really it. And so I feel like they need a lot more work on their, on their fade routes down in the goal line or, or at any other part of the field because they just didn't seem to have much of a connection in those. Now we saw in, in a fall camp that they were making those plays and in the spring game, they were making plays on the fade route. But in this one, it, it just seemed like there was no, um, no consistency, no connection when they were trying to run those, those fades on the outside. And so I, I'd like to see them go back and work on that, hopefully get better at that. But you had six different receivers making plays, you know, Marvin Mims, Jaden Hazelwood, Mike Woods, Mario Williams stood out. Mario Williams had a really nice game. They, they relied upon him, especially in the bubble screen game to make plays after the catch. And he credited him with his first touchdown as a sooner, but you know, ultimately like he finished with the most targets on the team. He had, I think it was eight targets and had six catches. Now he didn't have a big yardage, but what it showed was that Lincoln Riley and the offensive staff, they trust Mario Williams. And I think that's going to bode really, really well for him. And for the Sooners down the road, you got him involved early, got those early jitters out of the way, and it's going to make him a much better player down the road because he's got that experience. Now he's got that confidence and he's going to be able to make plays in bigger games in bigger moments and have a bigger impact. And they had a guy like Brian Darby, who seemingly, I guess, you know, he had a really good camp and people were excited about him. And, you know, he made plays. He had three catches for 16 yards, had a big first down. We talked about it in the, in the first quarter that set up a touchdown. You know, Mike Woods was really good in the bubble game as well. You know, showed off his ability to make plays after the catch. What I'd like to see them do a little bit more is maybe attack kind of the intermediate, intermediate part of the field a little bit better. They were good, you know, going deep to, to Marvin Mims. And they, they wanted to set up the deep ball and they did a really good job on the bubble screen game, but I felt like, you know, their slant game needs to improve. I feel like they're, you know, throwing those curls at the sticks needs to get a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit more clean overall. I mean, again, it was a solid performance, you know, by the passing offense in particular, you know, Jeremiah Hall was Jeremiah Hall. He had several good catches, you know, big first down pickup early in the game as well. Uh, and then, you know, Austin Stogner, we'll talk about the tight ends for a second. Austin Stogner had several really nice catches. Looked like he was moving really, really well. I think he finished with like three catches for 36 yards. But, you know, there, there seemed to be times where he and maybe Spencer Rattler weren't on the same page as far as where the route should have gone. You know, on that second interception that Spencer Rattler threw that, you know, it was, it was an over, it was an overthrow and a throw behind Stogner. Part of me wonders if he was expecting Stogner to run more up the seam when Stogner kind of cut his route and made it more of a, a, a in-breaking route. Um, I, I don't know if they were on the same page on that one. 
because it was a terrible throw by Rattler. If the route meant Stogner should be going on that 10 yard in, then that's a terrible throw. But if it was like a seam route or if it was a curl, you know, 10 yard comeback route, then it would have been on target. Again, that's something we won't know because we're not, we don't have privy to what the offensive play call was, what the read was, you know, if they are sitting down in zone, you know, Stogner's responsibility is to find the, the soft spot in the zone. So it, it's hard to say just by watching the broadcast, the broadcast uh, view of the game. Um, but again, it was a solid performance by the offense the second half was not, you know, they didn't drop a ball all game, which was a huge issue last year. One issue I think that needs to, you know, be rectified is the way that they finished drives. You know, they kicked five field goals in this game. And Gabe Burkage is great, but I don't want him kicking five field goals. They don't, they shouldn't want him kicking five field goals. You shouldn't be settling for 50 yard field goals. Congratulations on, on setting an NCAA record, but you don't want Gabe Burkage kicking field goals you're out there to score touchdowns. And when you settle for for field goals, like the Oklahoma Sooners did five times, you have a great shot at getting beat. And he was four or five. Again, fantastic performance by Gabe Burkich. Nothing to take away from him, but I don't want him on the field. I want my Sooners scoring touchdowns. And they're not going to score every drive, but you shouldn't be settling for five field goals against Tulane. You got to be better than that. They got to finish drives because against Iowa State, against... Texas against Texas tech, even these guys are are looking to put up points. And if you can't finish drives and you are settling for field goals, you're going to get beat field goals, get you beat. Not to mention when you go get ready to play, hopefully get ready to play Alabama or Ohio state after this week, one performance, I don't think the college football playoff is any sort of a guarantee at this point. You're going to have to fight through the big 12. It's going to be a tough battle week in and week out in the big 12. So you just got to win your conference. If you win your conference and you can get skate through unblemished, then you're going to have a shot in the college football playoff. But if you end up as the four seed and you have to face Alabama, yikes, you better get, you better be able to finish better because you're not going to be able to beat Alabama kicking field goals. And, you know, we're not going to be, you know, sitting here overhyping Alabama, but man, they look great in week one. Bryce Young looks like he's the truth again. Nick Saban again, Ah, but coming up next, let's talk about the defense's performance. We'll talk about some of the issues they had, especially in the second half as well. But first, let me talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's easy to eat. It's 100% covered in chocolate. It comes in nine delicious flavors. It is great tasting and it is great for you. You got 17 or 18 grams of protein, four or five grams of sugar, only four or five grams of net carbs. My favorite Built Bar is the peanut butter brownie. They also have a great coconut almond mint brownie. And if you like like fruity chocolate flavors, their raspberry and cherry ones are fantastic. So go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. I also want to talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 
100% welcome bonus. You put in $50, they'll put in $50. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. You make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. This is for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football to basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. So make sure you go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And betting on the Oklahoma Sooners doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. And now let's talk about the defensive performance in the Oklahoma Sooners 40-35 to win over the Tulane Green, Tulane Green wave. And just like the offense, it was an up and down bag, right? You know, the first quarter, Tulane pretty much did what they wanted and moved the ball pretty well. Of course, they were set up with a short field after Spencer Rattler's interception. But Michael Pratt, Cameron Carroll, sorry, Cameron Collar, they were they were fantastic in this game. Sorry, Cameron Carroll. They were really good in this game. They they did what they wanted to do. They made plays. You know, Tyreek James was making plays down the field. And the Oklahoma defense just seemed to struggle. It was good performances in the second quarter. They were getting after Michael Pratt. They sacked him three times or two times. Sorry, they sacked him two times, and they forced three fumbles, fumble, you know, four fumble recoveries as well. And you know, on the day, he they sacked him four times. So the pressure was getting there, and they had him under pressure a lot. According to Pro Football Focus, they racked up like 30 pressures as a team. So he was under pressure, I think, on 22 dropbacks because they can give multiple, you know, multiple guys pressures on the same play. But yeah, I mean, the, the defensive front, I mean, the pass rush was really, really good. Michael Pratt was just really good at evading pressure. You know, he showed a lot of mobility, showed a lot of escapability, showed an ability to make plays outside the pocket. And Tulane, they did a really good job of taking advantage of Oklahoma's over-pursuit using play action and misdirection. You know, on the second touchdown of for Tulane, you know, they, they use a jet sweep action from left to right, fake the handoff to that guy in motion. And then, you know, Cameron Carroll just kind of swung out of the backfield wide open. Nobody really in sight. You know, Brian Osimo, I think, was the guy that was responsible, but he gets caught up in, in all the, the misdirection, all the movement from, you know, the rest of the defense in misdirection and isn't able to, to come across and make the play. And when Tulane was at its most effective, that's what they were doing is they were using that play action in that misdirection to take advantage of Oklahoma's speed and take advantage of Oklahoma's pursuit, which they're a very athletic defense. They're a very fast defense. That's what Alex Grinch wants at the same time. It can be susceptible and, and every defense is, can be susceptible to play action and misdirection. But when you have a team that's main goal is to play fast and play aggressive, like the Oklahoma Sooners is, then at times they're going to get caught over pursuing. They're going to get caught playing too fast and they might lose sight of their responsibilities because of that misdirection and the play action. And that's the whole goal. The whole goal of play action misdirection is to get you outside of your, your realm of responsibility is to get you thinking run when it's ultimately going to be a pass. Now I know that's basic and, but 
And that's why teams that use play action so much are so effective offensively is because they're constantly taking advantage of the defense. They're constantly making the defense work against itself so much, you know, so to speak, because defenders are always taught to read run, especially on, on the, the handoff action. Even if it's against a team that runs heavy play action, they're still taught to read run first. Because if you don't, if you, if you drop back into pass and it's a run, that's why a draw play is so effective. If you drop back into pass and it's a run, you're giving up five yards easy, maybe more. And so that's why teams are expected to, to, to read run first and then drop into coverage once they see pass. The problem is if you're playing fast and you're playing too aggressive and you're not seeing the ball, which I think was the problem sometimes for Oklahoma, then you can get caught out of position sometimes. And that's going to happen. I mean, teams that use play action and do it well are going to catch Oklahoma out of positions at times. What I what what is, what is positive from this game is the pass rush was great. They finished when they needed to finish. They got off the field on that fourth and 13, you know, tripped up Michael Pratt when they needed to, made the tackle they needed to. What wasn't great is the missed tackles is a problem again. They had 15 missed tackles on the day. You go back and look at the Iowa State game from last year when tackling was a big issue on that day too, 14 missed tackles. And they didn't play a running back like Brees Hall on Saturday. But yeah, the, the tackling is going to have to be solved. Now it's week one. And it's the first time that they are playing full live game action. And so missed tackles can be a thing early in the season. But if it's something that continues next week, then that's a problem. Against a Western Carolina team that you should go in and obliterate. And, you know, the 15 missed tackles came from all over the defense, you know, the defensive front. If, you know, I like to include Nick Bonito in the defensive front because while they de- designate him as a rush linebacker, he's an edge rusher. That's his main responsibility is setting the edge and rushing the passer. I mean, so the defensive front had four missed tackles. The linebacker core had five missed tackles. The DBs had six missed tackles, which the DBs, I, you, know, you kind of, you don't expect it, but you understand it. You know, your defensive backs aren't your best tacklers generally. And so you kind of understand at times when they miss a tackle, but your linebacker core missing five. And that was basically Brian Osamoa and Deshaun white. That's, that's concerning. You, you need those guys to be more reliable tacklers. Now, David Aguebu didn't miss a tackle, but yeah, they gotta be better. They gotta be better tacklers and they gotta be better in coverage that there were too many missed op- or, you know, too many breakdowns in coverage. And that's not going to be able to happen especially against better teams and, and credit to Michael Pratt and Tulane. I think they had a really, really good game plan coming in. Michael Pratt played a great game. I think he kind of put the country on notice that he's a quarterback to watch. And I think the American athletic conference is going to see a really good Tulane team this year. Now we're not going to get out here and excuse Oklahoma's performance and say Tulane is good. We'll have to see. I mean, only, only time will tell if Tulane's a really good team or not, but they definitely came in and, and overall were the better team on Saturday. You know, if it weren't for Oklahoma's 23 point second quarter, you know, Michael Pratt took a hit from key Lawrence and was kind of knocked out for a little bit. And who knows where he was, even though he didn't miss much time, who knows where he was mentally and, and physically until, you know, for the rest of that second quarter, you know, it, it sometimes it takes a minute to get your, you know, to get your, your head right after getting your bell rung like that. And so, yeah, 
a lot to a lot to improve upon. Now it's week one of the season. Still plenty of time to correct these issues. There's time to to find consistency. There's time to uh, rectify all the things that went wrong. But the the big issue right now is they got to find a mentality and an edge that can carry them for 60 minutes of a football game. They can't be a 30-minute team and expect to win the Big 12 or win a national title. You just can't do it. And you're just not going to be able to do it. You might get lucky and win some games with that kind of an attitude, but they're not going to be able to win enough games to be the Big 12 champion and win a national championship. A 30-minute mentality is not going to work. And so Lincoln Riley, the coaching staff, they got to get it drilled into these guys. And they got to figure out a way to find a 60-minute attitude where they go and they play from whistle to whistle for 60 full minutes, a complete game because they had an opportunity on Saturday to really, really put the nation on notice that this was a team to be reckoned with. And they let the ball drop. They came out sluggish in the second half. They came out inconsistent, didn't have the same energy and edge that they played with in the second quarter. And I mean, again, some of that's credit to Tulane for keeping Oklahoma off balance. But as Lincoln Riley said it, you know, they felt like they had the game won. And you can't ever do that. Like that, that's just bad. Like even if you think you have the game won, you can't, you can't really, you can't let up because that game almost turned into a loss. And we'd be sitting here on a Monday talking about how the Sooners let one get away because they decided not to come out after halftime. But we'll have more to dissect about this game on our Tuesday show. So make sure you stick around for that. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sooners on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. And make sure you are subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or the Odyssey app. And until tomorrow, where we'll continue to dissect the Oklahoma Sooners to 40 to 35 win over the Tulane Green Wave. I'm John Williams, Boomer Sooner.